Welcome. It is the Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 320, and it is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? What's up is we're getting ready to go to Snowbound. It's happening. Snowbound is going down in less than two weeks. Besides that, in my area, we got the new Warren Miller all-time film that is showing that I am going to be checking out. So we're going to do a little preview since this year it's going to be a little different it's not going to be the huge which could be good could be bad i'm sure some of you have already checked it out if not we'll give you a little preview i'm excited because why wouldn't you be excited for a warren miller movie exactly they're just awesome they're perhaps different they get everything started for the season they kick off the season so that's worth getting excited about Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. You're on the socials, X, Instagram, Facebook, Untapped, YouTube. We are at Ski Bum Podcast. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Do you love the show? Do you want to contribute? Maybe be part of it? This is possible, my friends. Patreon.com slash Ski Bum Podcast. We have three tiers. You can join one of those tiers. With those different tiers, you can access and unlock different experiences with the podcast. So we would love it if you did that. Please check it out. Patreon.com slash Ski Bum Podcast. You know what you need? You need to get yourself in shape for ski season. Boom. Talk about it all the time. You're not going to ski yourself into shape. That's not a real thing. You know what you need? You need some cool shorts, some workout gear. 10,000. 10,000.cc athlete led they do they test they iterate they repeat iron sharpens iron the only way to become your best is to work with the best their motto is better than yesterday and at the heart of 10,000 is the idea of pursuit in business fitness life and skiing they believe in moving forward with a quiet dedication to constant improvement and to becoming just a bit better than we were yesterday Go to their site, 10,000.cc. Use the code BSCHNEIDER15, B-S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R-1-5, 15% off. Like Mario mentioned, Snowbound Expo, returning November 3rd through 5th, 2023. In new location, the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center, BCEC. We're going to be there on Thursday or Friday and Saturday. Well, half a Saturday. Uh, but it's going to be yeah. a, we're going to be there uh, if you want to hit us up you know how to reach out to us you can DM us on Instagram yeah yeah we're trying to figure out how we're going to do it Friday night if we're going to uh, find a location do a meet up there if you have ideas suggestions recommendations please hit us up keep on podcast at gmail.com Mario let's kick this off the way we always do it's time for our pray today Well, I have a good old favorite, and I'm I'm working through those bottles, uh, extra bottles that I bought. I don't know if uh, anybody remembers, but around uh, it wasn't even Christmas. I forgot when it was, but like Arbor Day, I was like, yeah, Arbor Day. I was like, you know, I need I need to stock up on some whiskey, and then my wife thought I asked her to go get whiskey, so we ended up with like four bottles of basil, Hayden's. 
So wasn't that like an episode of Three's Company back in the day? It's like, hey, you got whiskey. Hey, I got whiskey. Let's just get yeah. hammered and see what happens. Let's just get hammered. So you got a lot of whiskey. Rest in and peace, Suzanne Summers. That's right. It's a good reference. Yeah. Um yeah. So Basil Hayden. Basil Hayden. Hasn't hasn't had it. It's one of those I was thinking about, like I hadn't had in a while. That's why I put it on the list, like, I gotta get this. And Basil Hayden. Um, that's the regular one, right? Because now they've started doing a bunch yeah. of different iterations now. And they toast one's really good. I haven't had that one. I'm just straight Basil Hayden drinking. You're keeping so. it au naturel, the OG. Yeah. When I got him to the dance. And if anybody wants to get into bourbon, this was the uh, first bourbon I was introduced to. Look at that. When you were Look you were like 13 years old, right? 13 years old. A guy at the bus station's like, "Hey, little boy, have mm. some of this." See, I'm drinking out of my Waterford crystal glass, like a professional. Class, class, class. It's nice. And I even have the matching decanter that I will. We're drinking it too fast right now, so I don't even want to take the time to put it in the decanter, but we do have one. Just like a Waterford straw for your decanter for easy, easy consumption? No, no. Because my whole thing, I'm anti-straw. People are like, well, are you saving the environment? I'm like, no, I just think the debate between a paper and a plastic straw is stupid. Just drink out of the glass like a man. There you go. Right. Why doesn't Waterford make crazy straws? That'd, That'd be, be awesome, cool. Right? Waterford crazy. We <laughs> have this straw. wonderful water. I would have bought it. I was feeling in a mood that night. So this was like my wife and I's uh, engagement gift to each other. So Look at that. It's nice, right? Thing. Yeah. And she'll drink out of it all the time. Like, um, all the time. All yeah. the time. How about you, man? What do you got? All right. So I haven't been drinking too much beer lately. Kind of keeping it, keeping it, uh, I don't know, in the, the uh, liquor area. But I was jonesing for a beer this week. It's just been one of those weeks. Mm. And I picked up some really nice beers. I guess it was Labor Day weekend. After we were up in New Hampshire, we did that at Bronco Off Rodeo. Came oh, back. Right. Was able to. The kids were being watched there at my in-laws and I had a couple extra minutes and I was like, you know what we should do? We should stop at Treehouse on the way home because oh, why nice. wouldn't you stop at Treehouse? Because the beers are phenomenal. And you mentioned your Basil Hayden and you're going with the OG version, the classic. What got them to the dance? I went the opposite route. I found the weirdest beer that Treehouse possibly could sell had it there at their Deerfield facility. So they, they've got at least, I think, four locations now. Oh, they've expanded, huh? Yeah, and this one, if you were driving up to Vermont from Connecticut or Mass, is right off 91. I mean, you can practically see it from the highway. It's so close, which is nice. So we were driving south from that direction. It's just a quick, quick on and off, which is cool. They have a big a sound stage there, like a big... Nice. Like a big stage, a huge lawn. And it looks like a 70s corporate building that they just converted into this awesome brewery. It has where the cafeteria was. They have, you know, places to eat. They make really amazing pizza, which unfortunately they had a 45 minute wait. and We had to just kind of get in and out and didn't get one. But all they could talk about is how good their pizza is. Now, again, I don't know if it's good for Western Massachusetts or if it's actually really good. Yeah. But. You know, to, everybody argues that theirs is the best, right? Gonna have to go and check it out again. Like people from Chicago say their pizza is the best. I, I, I can't even help you. 
Like I can't yeah, help you. It's not pizza. It's not, it's not a pizza. It's a pizza pie. It's, it's, a, it's a different thing altogether. It's, it's like, like the lasagna. lasagna, what they have. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, not only am I a sucker for treehouse, I'm a sucker for guava. Because who's not, right? Mm, yeah. Guava. Love some guava. So this is the double nectaris guava, which is nice. Okay, there. Dude, a guava in a beer tastes awesome, doesn't it? Right. So this is a double IPA because, you know, that's how we do it around here. Mm. Double nectarius guava, American double IPA brewed with studious selection of fruit forward American hops, heavy dose of guava puree, and a touch of milk sugar. So for hmm. all you lactose, lactose intolerance, this is not for you. Sorry. Vibrant orange color. Nice. What could you expect from Treehouse? Yeah. Everything they make is amazing. This one, again, it's almost like a like a big IPA with a guava milkshake, like a touch of guava milkshake in there. Mm. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah. I love it. It's interesting with the with the little lactose. That's a nice little smooth finish. It just smells it, so hoppy and like there's one I had down here. I think it might be Cigar City makes one with guava or one of the other local brewers. It's an IPA. It's really good. But I'm thinking now that little touch of milk, uh, touch of lactose might be the one that put them over the edge there. It smooths it out. You know, it makes it a little creamy, mellows yeah, it out. Good mouthfeel. It's an 8%er. Like, comes in hot, but Ooh, 8%. you're only having one, you could do a I lot do that. Do you only have one, one four-pack, you're good. Yeah, I got, I mean, it's just crazy how much, how expensive beer has gotten. I think I got two four packs. I got one of this and one other guava-ish thing that they made. And mm. I think it was like 24 bucks a four pack. Maybe yeah, four packs bucks. now are like, what, 16 bucks, the same price as like a 12 pack. It's like 20, 24 dollars for a four pack. But, you know. Yeah, I got to go buy a, ca- a case of, you know, ghetto beer. And that's still like 15 bucks now, 16 bucks. How bad do you want it? I wanted it, so I got it, and it's delicious, and I regret nothing. Life yeah, I didn't really go pumpkin crazy with pumpkin beer this year. I had one. There's still time. There's still time. They're all gone though, so you know you have to have it sitting in your fridge by now because now they already got Christmas beers out and Christmas. Yeah, everything. that's right. Oh. We're practically counting down to St. Patrick's Day because you know it's October, <laughs> so right. we're getting ready for March. Of which we've year? got a whole ski season though, so let's not. Start looking forward to March too soon. Not, not yet. So I think that's the perfect little transition. Let's go to ski news. Boom. And oh, is there big news for those who are Indy Pass fans, especially in the Conway, Jackson, New Hampshire area. We talked about it last week, which it's funny. I think the day I released the podcast was the day that they announced this. Hmm. Last week we talked about how Black Mountain is shutting it down. Since 1936, I believe they were opened. 35. They were shutting down. Too expensive. Couldn't find good help. That day. Indy Pass to the rescue. Black Mountain will be open this season. The Fashera family will operate the ski area for one more season after Indy Pass provides resources to operate this season and assistance in finding a buyer for the historic ski area. That's pretty awesome. Indy Pass parent company, Intabeni, 
into Benny Systems announces today that it has reached an agreement with Black Mountain and Jackson, New Hampshire to remain open for the 23-24 season. Fischera family, longtime owners of the resort, announced on October 11th that they could not operate due to circumstances beyond their control. The mountain, which has been in continuous operations since 1935, will be offered for sale as an operating ski area. And to Benny, founder Eric Morganson will lead an industry-wide effort to find a sustainable solution. We have a role to play in keeping skiing independent, and it is time to step up, said Morganson. We're not interested in owning ski resorts, but are firmly committed to supporting independent operators like Black Mountain. The struggles that John and his family overcame for decades are the same struggles many ski areas across the country are facing every day. So they brought in Andy Shepard, whose career has been focused on turning around struggling ski areas and will join the effort at Indy Pass. Andy led the efforts that produced successful outcomes at Saddleback, Big Rock, Quoki Joe, and Black Mountain of Maine. Hmm. The Fisheries have played a critical role in keeping one of the country's most historic ski areas running for the last 30 years. We should celebrate their accomplishments as we look for the next owner of Black Mountain. So this is this is cool. So they brought this guy in, and this Andy Shepard, he seems like almost like Mr. Wolf. Yeah, oh, the fixer. He fixes you it. You need the fixer. You need the guy who comes in, a little polish, get rid of a few bodies. This is your dude, Andy <laughs> Shepard. But it's crazy that Indy Pass, like what the Indy Pass seems to be growing into. Yeah. I mean, think about it. They, originally, it was just like, hey, let's just get these people together, get a couple days. Now they're at the point where they have the funding the people and knowledge to almost prop up these mountains. I mean, that's a big deal. This is, it's really impressive that they've come this far. And they mentioned here that uh, John Fischera is one of the first owners to believe in Indy Pass and they are privileged to help Black Mountain operate this season. That's from Indy Pass founder, Doug Fish. And of course, he encourages all Indie Pass holders to visit this gem of a ski area. Nice. The fact they're able to do that, though, that they've come this far in just, what, four years since the Indie Pass has been out, to having that power, that capability to keep a resort open. And I wonder behind the scenes, I would love to just have heard those conversations about, it's like, hey, what do you need? What, what do you got to do to make this work? You know, it's like any negotiation. Right. You know, I'm what sure can we do to help, you know, what can we do to help? Like, how do we make this happen? You know, it's, it's, it's a cool thing that they're able to do that and to not have to just sell it to a, an Altera or a Vale and to keep it independent and to hopefully find a company that will keep it independent next year after they do make this move. Cause it's only for a year. Like they're just saying, like, yeah, just you extending the time. We can keep you get things working on life support, and who are they going to bring in? So it'll be right. cool to see because you know you have places, um, and I forget the name of the company that bought Jay Peak last year, but they were one of those places that you know they own like four or five little ski resorts. They want to keep the people who are part of it and who are running it kind of keep it the same almost as if nothing changed and hopefully, you know, they'll find someone in that same vein, but it's uh, it's kind of getting all tricky because there is a certain pattern, a certain 
kind of formula that's that's working out in this duality of the uh, icon versus epic. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how how the whole battle started and is shaping up now, right? Yeah. Well, speaking yeah. of Vale and Altera. <laughs> so here's an article. Uh, the, uh, the $300 a day lift ticket that every skier hates. Top skier, ski resorts want even the most infrequent snow bunnies to pay for their passes long before the first flakes fall. So it's part of a big push by resorts to nudge skiers into prepaying for passes for multiple days or full seasons. The dynamic has long existed at ski mountains, but prices are soaring for passes bought the day you ski. Single ticket at A-list resorts, Park City, Vale, and Beaver Creek will set you back $299 on a peak day this season. Um, And a $949 season pass offers unlimited access to those resorts and dozens of others all winter. They're saying, you know, they they go on to talk a lot more about, you know, the major ski companies are introducing different ranges of passes, but they're saying all in all, it's discouraging casual visitors, families from making last minute trips. So that's what they're hearing is being said. And they used a perfect example of a, a guy from North Carolina that went to ski just for a few, few times skiing. He paid more than 350 bucks, but after purchasing an Epic Pass, which he got for $479, it's a much better proposition. So it's pretty interesting how, you know, once this all came about, they started doing these big passes. Who was the first one that did that? Was it Mountain Collective? Well, it's talking about Vale here, first introducing the Epic Pass in 2008. I don't know if it, I don't know if Mountain Collective was before that or not. I thought Mountain Collective is the one that we heard about way, way, way before. But and now they're expanding. Like you know, the Icon and Epic, they're getting like international resorts on. Indie has has done a great job getting all the indie resorts, but uh, it's just getting you know more and more interesting. As it it's really it really is discouraging you from last minute purchase of a ticket or window tickets. Yeah, I I mean to remember, I think we had to purchase window tickets this past season when we were up at Greek Peak. But we were also mm-hmm. that's an indie pass resort. I had my indie pass. I was able to just get, you know, my passes paid for. Wow. And I was kind of in a mode and this was a last minute trip. So I didn't plan ahead. I didn't buy things ahead of time. Yeah. And I just remember just not even like it was, it was going up to the window. I was like, la, 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 la. I'm not listening to it. Take my credit card. La, la, la. I don't care. You know, which. Uh, you just got to have that. You're going to get ski or not. You know, I mean. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that, you know, it does suck a lot of this, but in a way, the people who are, are the hardcores, like people like us, we don't really care. It's like, we'll find other ways. It's like, I don't really need to eat for a week as long as I can get my ski passes and I can buy new skis. I'll tell you, there was a string of about three or four years where I had no dishwasher, but I bought four pairs of skis <laughs> because that's the kind of person I am. You can wash a dish. But I you can wash a dish. Can, you know what a sponge costs? A sponge is way cheaper than a dishwasher. That's it. So, there you go. Sponge, whatever. You make Five packs are like six and you're great. Exactly. That's like six months right there, right? But yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) But I see what the guy's saying as a as a new skier, as a beginner to try it out. Like, 
that really sucks. But that's why they offer those deals a lot of times where it has you know the lift ticket, the rentals. They should almost give you a free ticket if you get rentals. I, mean, yeah, I don't know if they probably make sense or I know they definitely <sighs> subsidize it a lot if you're getting rentals because they they kind of gouge you on those. Yeah. But again, how do you how do you make people learn or get to love it at, at that age? Like that's it's a tricky, it's a really but tricky it's such a big commitment now, right? Like you go in and it's like, oh my God, 300 bucks, or you gotta buy a four hundred dollar ticket at the beginning of the season to ski every day. Like you're like, I don't know if I want to go more than once. Yeah. You know? Oh, it absolutely kills the uh one, two trip a year person. Yeah. It makes it almost, you know, financially non viable. And think what you could do for it, it, it 300. If you went like, I'm going to go ski at Beaver Creek for two days. Here's $600. Like it yeah. doesn't even make sense. Again, Crazy. you could buy that icon pa- or uh yeah. Epic pass for nine forty nine. Yeah. But you know, even like you said, like you didn't plan ahead. Well, you know, here you are, you're like, you just said, screw it. And you went up to the counter and, you know, give me the tickets and, and I'm out of here. But if you're doing it last minute and you're thinking it through saying, well, you know, let's see how much it is. And you add it up. You're like, holy crap, I'd rather do something else. You know what I mean? Like it really is a. It, it's a it deterrent for, for, for yeah. new customers. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's just interesting. It used to be like, remember the three day or the five day pass was the big deal. Like, oh, hey, get one of those if you're going on a trip. Now it's you're better off just getting the whole season pass, the icon or the epic or or something. You know what I mean? Like, because it's not much different. And it's it's weird because it's like, that's buy it in April. <laughs> yeah, buy it exactly. April. As soon as you're like ready to get on with the, you know spring and doing whatever you're doing and trying to get yeah. out of ski season, that's when you buy it. It's like Costco pricing, right? Like buy it now in April and you get everything for the same price as one day on a mountain. It's like pumpkin. It's like pumpkin <laughs> beer. You got to buy it yeah. in June <laughs> so you can that's enjoy right. it in October. It's just. Yeah. And, you know, I get why they're doing it because they're trying to lock in, get that money as soon as possible so that they can go and and distribute it out and, you know, spend at the different resorts. Yeah. Well, when they first started putting these things together, it was more of a discount kind of they're, they're working out deals to get that volume. Now it's gotten, it's gone beyond that because it's really representing the resorts that they own, right. In a, in a big way, like, they have all their marquee ones and then they're expanding out and offering, you know, the pass through others. It's just kind of weird how it's just getting bigger and bigger. It's like, it's not even like a collection of mountains sharing a ticket. It's half of them. We own, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And as someone who just bought an icon pass, one for the whole family, you 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 look at the, the different uh, places they have on there (laughs) and the ones that Altera owns i think all of them you get unlimited wow. if you have the uh the fancy pass which is of course the one that i bought because i drank that whiskey and said we're doing this and we're doing it the right, right way you and then a, they you have made a command the, decision made a goddamn in the <laughs> foxhole you know are we gonna attack like boom we're going let's do it but then they, all the other partner resorts those are the ones that usually have seven days right which, you know which is cool because say you live at a place and that's your home resort and you go there 30 times a year to get a $1,200 pass to go 30 times. And then, Hey, we're doing one trip out West. Let's go to, well, looks like Palisade Tahoe is on here. I can ski for not, not for 
free, you know, because you have the pass. Like that's really cool. I mean, it is a great feature, yeah. but again, it it targets the hardcores, and there's no way to be like, okay, we made you just buy a, a twelve hundred dollar pass. We're going to offer twenty dollar lift tickets for everyone who doesn't ski that much. Right. You know, like you, you want to learn how to ski, we'll give you three day, just you know, at a really cheap price, right? Yeah. Something like that. And I know a lot of these resorts, they do find they do have different deals and special days. And I know for yeah. the kids, they some places do like fourth or fifth or sixth grade. You get like forty nine dollar pass for the year. But, you know, it's, it's it seems worse. Like the person they talked about in the article is 24. Like that's kind of like the mm-hmm. worst age to be doing it because you're not yeah. in college. So you can't get a discount and you're not far enough in your career where you can afford it. So you're kind of like in like well, no 24 man's could be a professional student. You never know. <laughs> it's true. You almost have to live at home now because you can't afford a house. It's Mom just, and dad are paying your cell phone still. What the hell? They say that a lot of millennials, their whole financial future plan is like, well, my parents are going to die and I'm going to get their yeah. house. So exactly. I'm good. So I don't have to save shit. I'm spending so every dollar I, I make. YOLOing my life. I am, oh, yeah. I'm buying icon passes for my whole family. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to lease a BMW, like whatever. Like, That's YOLO. right. YOLO. When the party ends, they're going to be like, man, I need somebody to help me out, right? I don't know. This is why I think the uh, the idea of the ski bum is is at risk right now. Oh, the ski bum is an endangered species by far. I mean, we've talked about yeah. that ad nauseum for it's just for years. Just a freaking homeless guy in a parking lot that skis versus now you actually got to make some coin. Especially this, you got to afford you know four hundred dollar yearly pass or three hundred dollars at the window. Like, yeah, it's. I mean, where could you even up there? Yeah, there are some places that you you can still bum it up, but you know, it's not it's not like it was in you know, the eighties and nineties where it's like, you know, like Aspen extreme. We're going to Aspen. Yeah. Like, you're not going to Aspen now. Like you gotta be freaking 10, 20 millionaire. You can, to, you can work in Aspen, condo there, but you gotta stay, you know, 30 minutes away. You gotta like, you're, dude. Look at the real estate everywhere around there. Oh, you're probably going two hours. So if yeah. you were someone, well, you know, Aspen of course is trying to provide some housing for their employees, which is so yeah. kind. It's like, Hey, I, we found some boxes that you can sleep in. <laughs> That's right. There's a green it's actually a lot of boxes assembled within a bigger box and you guys could sit there. You could stay there, you know? Yeah. If you want to look at a place with some depressing real estate, if you're poor, oh. look at Aspen, Aspen, Jackson. Those are probably Jackson, the no. two worst. Those are the two. Well, ones Jackson, when you look at property, you got to be careful with some of these houses or condos because you read the uh, the fine print. It's like you can't stay there. It's got to be available to housing during the whole ski season. It's like, oh, really? so you're not really buying the place. You're buying the place, but have to rent it out probably at a fixed rate or something like that. It's just weird. Well, I know some places in Summit County in Colorado, they have special pricing and you have to be employed in the county mm. to get the deal. I remember looking in like the Silverthorne area. And you see this like beautiful like three bedroom condo, and it was maybe two thirds, maybe actually probably half the price of a regular one. You're like, whoa, what's going on here? And then yeah, must you have to you have to yeah. you know qualify based on your employment in the county, which yeah, I them. hate that they have to do that. Yeah, but it's great because I mean because one of the things you look at when you look at how expensive these passes are, 
do you know what it takes to run a ski resort? The amount of people, yeah. resources, time that it takes to get the resort to be in the beautiful, pristine condition it is when you get there. That's one thing. It's so hard to for so hard to you know think about when you talk about how expensive skiing is. There is so yeah. much that goes into it. It's an expensive undertaking, and it costs a ton for these resorts to even give you what they're giving you. Like everything, there's two sides to the coin. But what I don't get though is why is there always a shortage still of people working at the mountain? Is it nobody wants to work? The wages are too low. People think they're too good for the wage. Is it? I think it's uh, you nailed all three of them. I think people people disappear. Want to be fancy? People are lazy. Yeah. Everyone thinks they should be making two hundred grand a year. Well, I could just be an influencer and make a bunch of money. It's like, well, number I one, just gotta think though. There's you're more talented, humans. You're not exciting. Like that's the thing. It's like people don't want to hustle and grind anymore. Like nobody's exactly. We're so I, soft. There's an article Mel was just showing me, and it was uh, the Gosling wife where they had the eight kids or whatever, and she's saying how she's depressed and and whatever the article said, but it was basically now that she's not a reality star, like reality's hitting her. And it's like, yeah, like you, when an actor or an actress does a, a role and they do a movie, whether it stinks or not, they're an actress or they're an actor. They have a craft, like they, but they, but they know how to do it. That's what they got. That's their career. When you're a reality star, you, you're just a show, right? It doesn't mean you have talent. It means people are just interested in your life. Right. You know so, how dime a dozen a reality show person is? And and that reality after has got to be pretty 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 uh surprising for them. Well think about the kind of egomaniac who wants to be on a show like that and have it feature them. Yeah. And then to have them not be getting that validation from yeah, the, all the, the cameras are gone. Cameras. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're egomaniacs for thinking we should start a podcast, but you know what? We keep it in check. We keep it real. We keep it real. If there if there were twenty thousand people listening to this right now, we would have no idea. <laughs> twenty thousand. It's a slow week. I, I know. So I'm saying. Yeah, yeah it's just our controversy. That's what we got to do. We got to start calling people out. Yeah, that's right. We, we need some podcast beef. Who did we call out? We call. Did we call out um, Jeff Bezos with the whole eat the Mona Lisa and this yacht? <laughs> yeah, right. I think we called him out a few times. Oh, if we go back into the uh, into the tape, I think we called out a bunch of people. Oh yeah, go to the archives because I think we flat out said so and so. If you want to come out, and, like, I think we called some people it's out. Like WWE, like, it's like I'm calling you out. walking in New York podcast. City. <laughs> you're gonna be walking in New York City, and you are just gonna get punched in the mouth. And it's gonna be like Dave Chappelle's guy, got you, motherfucker. And you're like, I don't even remember what what did I say? Episode 52. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. Like, we're not even gonna remember that shit. We're just gonna get taken out. Revenge is a dish best served cold. <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm speaking of cold, there's some controversy in one of our favorite places, Zermatt, Switzerland. Oh, this this article is I, I, everything that's wrong about with social media. Um, maybe everything that's right. I, I don't even. I, I can't have an opinion on things anymore it's because so I feel like everything it is so right bizarre. Disturbing pictures emerged in the last week of heavy machinery digging 
on the Theodil Glacier in the Matterhorn Ski Paradise, the cross-border ski resort between Zermatt, Switzerland, and Servino, Italy. Servina. Servino or Servino? Servinia? Cer- oh, Servinia. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's Servinia. The, the diggers appear to be filling in crevasses on the glacier in order to get the Grand Becca course ready for the first ever FIS World Cup cross-border race. The race will be the speed opening of the FIS Alpine World Cup calendar and is set to take place on November 11th and 12th. Athletes and climate activists, including Greenpeace, have petitioned the International Ski and Snowboard Federation, FIS, to amend the race calendar and hold races later in the season. An open letter to FIS signed by more than 500 athletes and activists appear to have put some pressure on the federation as the speed opening for the 23-24 for Zermatt Servinia is now set for three weeks later in the year than last year. Greenpeace Austria posted pictures this week on their social media accounts, accusing the International Ski and Snowboard Federation, FIS, of greenwashing, an accusation which is not new. FIS claims to be climate positive by means of using climate offsets, a practice Greenpeace has criticized for a while. These offsets are purchased from a company called Cool Earth, which coincidentally was founded and co-chaired by FIS president, Johan Eliash, there is no publicly available information on the specifics of these offsets or the amount FIS invests in Cool Earth's rainforest program. The, t- the fact that the place is called Cool Earth sounds so cool shady. Earth. Yeah, I don't. I can't imagine that's a, a real name for our business. Yeah, Greenpeace questions in their post legitimacy of FIS's claims to be climate positive in light of the use of diggers on European glaciers. And Protect Our Winters also shared images on their social media channels, urging FIS to act now to align the sport with the best practices in environmental sustainability. Hmm. Howe says that the diggers are destroying the glacier and has launched a petition to put pressure on FIS to become, quote, the leader, climate leader our sport needs. Hmm. The petition calls for FIS to, one, implement a target-based sustainability strategy, including a roadmap to achieve a 50% emissions reduction by 2030. Two, publish FIS's environment, environmental impact with full transparency. Hmm. Adapt the competition calendar to reduce the impact of travel and respect the changing climate. And four, use FIS's political influence to advocate for climate action at a government level. Hmm. Wow. So now we have the interview with Franz Yulin, who's the president of the local organization committee for the World Cup cross-border event at the Matterhorn, and admits that he can understand that the pictures have caused a lot of outrage. If you haven't seen the pictures, it's a couple of giant caterpillar snow um, excavators kind of, you know, on the glacier. And he says, no one knows the issue of the receding glaciers as well as we do in Zermatt. We know what it's about and take this sensitive topic seriously. However, he stresses that no one was breaking off the glacier, saying that's wrong. Chopping off pieces, huh? Three excavators worked on the glacier for three weeks. However, they did not break anything, but filled and secured crevasses with ice and snow. And I really like this quote that he says, Mm. they made us a scapegoat. How is what we are doing in any proportion to what happened in China or Qatar? 
For the Olympics in China, entire ski resorts were created from scratch next to nuclear power plants. Mm. And yeah. new fully air-conditioned football stadiums were built in Qatar for the World Cup. No one says anything about that, but they attack us. That's true. And see, that's the thing that that's where like all the Greenpeace and protect our winters. That's where they 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 rub me the wrong way, which, again, as skiers and boarders, we want snow. Obviously, we want there to be winters. Yeah. We love winter. But the fact that they go after like easy targets like this makes them almost seem like they're just bullying people. They're well, they want to make a name for themselves too, right? Yeah. I mean, you know where the real problem is? You know where most carbon emissions are coming from? India and China. Yeah. You know what? Why don't you just go march into Beijing? And why don't you go up to, to Xi and go tell him how you feel about his carbon emissions? You know what? You're going to be hanging out with the Uyghur Muslims in the concentration camps if you do that. But you know what? No one wants to go after the hard targets. They always go after the easy targets. That's with journalism these days, especially these activist groups. That's all they're doing. They're they're picking the easy targets and they're yeah. going after. They're making names for themselves. Yeah. Well, the other thing with uh, tar, you know, going after FIS is they run every year for a long season, whereas you have something like the Olympics. They come in to a brand new area, pay everybody off to shut up. And they're there for what is it, three weeks, and then they get the hell out of town. So they're China, in and out. The chi- the resort that there wasn't even a ski resort. It was a mountain that doesn't get yeah. snow or enough snow to ski on. And they had to artificially create all the snow just so they could host the Olympics. Yeah. Go over there. Well, I, I, I didn't see I didn't see any of those, those really, protect yeah. our winter protesters there. Yeah. I didn't see them protesting the Olympics. Nope. I would love to see them protesting a $300 lift ticket. Hmm. <laughs> protect our wallets. That's the POW I'm going I'm to P- subscribe to. Protect, protect our, our wallets. wallets. That's, I like that. Yeah. All right. I'll let you get the last one. Uh, the last uh, thing on this. Yeah. And there's, there's no real solution to this. You know, like, again, it's yeah. weird to see it. But it just, again, it just seems like a lot of bullying because FIS obviously wants winter too. They want snow. They're doing their jobs. The Swiss, if any engineering I'm going to trust, it's the Swiss engineering because I'm pretty sure they care about snow and ice way more than even protect our winters does. So here's the thing: we're probably going to make some enemies of the people who are going to see it snowbound. But uh, just when a lot of people were talking last year, there was a uh, one of the talks they were talking about. You know how they were trying to protect a glacier because. People have been visiting the glacier for years and years, and they built actually, they say it's, it's sad because they built steps that used to go off the train right onto where you could see the glacier. And the glaciers receded so much, it's like they have to get off, walk downstairs, and like walk to the glacier now. And, you know, there was some other talk about like how they want to grow the industry, but also make sure that the environment's preserved. Well, my whole part of that, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, what if you can't? Like, what if continuing to let people go and play and go to these places that were untouched is part of the problem, right? At least for now. Yeah. 
So until you can figure out a solution for it, maybe you have to recede as, as people from going into these areas and they'll come back. I don't know. And that maybe that's the reason why maybe the $500 lift ticket is a good thing because it will yeah. limit the number of people who are skiing, thus limiting the impact on the environment. Mm. Or we'll get fatter well, as a nation. <laughs> Wally. Right. Wally. That's right. Big, super big goat. We're not claiming to have the solution. We're just asking the questions and... You know, I'd love to find a solution, but I don't, I think it's like the Middle East. Like there's, there is no solution. You know, yeah. there's only, tr- there, there's Not only trade everybody, right? Yeah. 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 One final story. Skiers trigger first avalanche of the season in Colorado. Hmm. Avalanches are usually big and scary and sad, but I'll be honest. First one of the season, no one died. It's kind of exciting. It's like throwing out the first pitch. It means there's Baseball. enough snow to have an avalanche, which for mid-October, that's kind of a kind of a good thing, right? It's pretty badass. I like that. Yeah. And like you said, nobody was hurt in this. Nobody's going to be all right. 13,198-foot yeah, 13, Mountain Boy Peak experienced Colorado's first avalanche of the season as confirmed mm-hmm. by the Colorado Avalanche Information Center. Situated south of Independence Pass, the avalanche was triggered on Sunday, the 15th of October, below the Peaks Ridge, with the area described as a north-facing gully on its northwest ridge. Cracking and minor collapsing while skinning up, wind-loaded slab on top of facets from late September slash early October. Slide triggered just below the ridgeline and propagated 100 yards across from the rocks, the center of the gully. It ran around 300 feet before coming to a stop. Debris were around three to four feet in depth, approximately. Skier two was probing at snow depth just below the crest of the ridge when they remotely triggered the slide with the crown being about 10 feet below skier two. Skier one observed from the skin track on the connected slope on the other side of the gully. Slope made a big woomph and cracks shot across the slide upon slide initiation some surface horror observed as well hmm. so according to the cai i see the avalanche slid on a northwest aspect uncovering old facet snow from early october now covered by the recent storm slab from the past week so wow kind of ceremonial no one got injured no one died this is a good omen right First of the season it's like the groundhog you get you know if you have a first avalanche and nobody, you know, gets hurt in it, perfect. It's going to be a good season, right? Yeah. I like that attitude. I like that. It's going to be a good season. I think we should all kind of allow that ray of sunshine to look upon us and smile upon us and take us into the season that way. So let me ask you, you know, Groundhog Day is tells you if you longer winter or whatever, right? Should we have a pet or an animal or a symbol that we use to tell us if it's going to be a good winter or a bad winter for skiing? Mm. So like, like the farmer's almanac, of, if, if they yeah. have like a... A ski like a, almanac. A cow a or a rooster or something that... Yeah. If this cow comes out of their barn and sees his shadow, boom. Look, yeah, if if the snow winter. 
if the snow owl grabs a snake, that means it's going to be a good winter or something like that. Oh, that'd be good. I feel like the snow, the snow owl, owl, that'd snow be owl nice. should be part of this. He seems like he's on our side. The snow owl comes out by this date. That means it's going to be a good cold winter. Yeah, we need something like that. I think that's, well, the marmot. The marmot comes the marmot. out. <laughs> the marmot is pissed off like they always are. It's going to be a good winter. He looked pretty pissed at me, so I think we're in good yeah. shape. Get a, a partner to Puxatani Phil. Got to get a <laughs> yeah. get a moose. Could have a moose see a shadow or something. It'd be terrifying. Mammoth, Mammoth Mountain Marmot. Mammoth Marmot. That's it. Mammoth Mountain Marmot comes out. Yeah. Tells us it's going to be a good winter. That's well. Good. Yeah. Wonder if anybody has that. We got to see. It's got a hundred percent accurate record, man. This marmot. I'm telling you. What's well, like the octopus for the World Cup, and they've got all sorts of was it was guys. It was like the fill the octopus or whatever. Yeah, it's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of being positive and good things, we're gonna roll into our main topic. And as we mentioned, ski season is pretty much here, right around the corner for some of us. And what that means every year is a new Warren Miller film. And this year, it's the 74th film, and it's called All Time. But there's a catch. It's a little bit different than it has been in the past. And they're saying they take a look at some of our favorite vintage clips. And they're getting ready for their annual tour, which kicks off on October 23rd. So actually, it hasn't even been shown yet. So it's when this comes out, it's pretty much when this is going to start showing. It looks back at 74 years of filmmaking, celebrates the birth of ski towns like Sun Valley and Aspen, features icons and innovators like the original hot doggers, and highlights the most outlandish locations ever skied. But it's not all vintage. All Time brings you new footage featuring Maine's finest athlete of today, Donnie Beltier, and the next generation at Woodward Park City. So if you haven't seen the clips yet, Warren Miller and I think Mosley and Donnie have already posted them. They are really funny. It's pretty much Donnie and Mosley at Palisades Tahoe just doing doing some runs. And if you haven't seen Donnie ski, it's It's pretty funny. It's it's we all know the guy. Like we all know our resort, our friend who skis like this. It's balls out, lean back, no turns, just just ripping down the hill. It's beautiful. And it's not a spoiler alert or anything because they posted it already, but there is one where he just eats his balls. And it's... <laughs> if you haven't seen him, he wears jeans and has, you know, clip-on suspenders and wears a he hard wears hat. wears a hard hat instead of a, a helmet. Like, I love that. <laughs> and he's on old, like, 196s. Like, it's it's awesome. Good old straight 196s. He's a he's a beautiful throwback. Now it's funny because we we you know talked a little smack when they first announced this that there wasn't going to be a, you know a new Warren Miller film and we you know the picture we posted on it it was like the Ghostbusters like the red you know yeah. circle with the line through it on Warren Miller and one of the uh, like producers actually like reached out to us on on Instagram oh. and I was like like is that bad like are they pissed or upset or what but yeah you know it's a lot of a lot of old footage and they're doing this over this year and next year because this one is 74 75 is going to be a big one 
and it's gonna be like they're making a big thing out of this. Yeah, it's good. It's it's good and bad. You know, and it's in a way, like at first I was all pissed off about it because, you know, obviously, why wouldn't you be? Change is bad. I don't like it. Ugh, thumbs <laughs> down. I'm never gonna watch it again. That's back next year. I think we say it every year though, when you talk about these ski movies, like what's the point of these ski movies? Like yeah. I, I mean, every year it's always more extreme, more crazy. What are we doing? And is that really more enjoyable to watch? Or sometimes when you watch some of those old Warren Miller films and you see some of the way, just the way people used to ski, the way the resorts used to look. Yeah. In a way, it's it's really comforting and cool seeing more of... It's like when you watch an old movie or an old TV show. It doesn't always think, have to be bigger, crazier, more extreme, more insane. Because while that stuff is cool, like, how much further can we go? Yeah. I think the, the magic of Warren Miller was it was like a travel show with a lot of skiing. Whereas some of these other ski movies are, let's just ski. Well, you could be wherever... You know, anywhere in the world, I wouldn't know because all I'm seeing is you do these amazing tricks. Well, yeah. you know, yeah. after all, I want to see the the town and what's really cool about going there and hear about the snow and the skiing and the people. Like, it's more of like a travel show. Like, it was kind of cool to think about it. Yeah, I always appreciate more of the story. You know, yeah. when, there's, when there's a theme, there's a story, there's... <laughs> There's something else behind it. Because again, I love I love the the crazy, amazing things that you know a lot of these athletes can do now. But you know, if you're doing uh, a a you know 1360 double backflip and this guy's doing a 1420 triple backflip, like it's really not that that different. But when you're yeah. telling me a story about someone who's, you know, I've been skiing here for 30 years, I ski a hundred days a year. Uh, it's a story from this one time. Like, I, like I want to hear that guy's like tales, you know, like that's the experience that we're going to have. Like, I'm not going to do the crazy flip in the mountains yeah. there. And, you know, okay, we, well, I, I love the storyteller. You know, I yeah. want to hear their, their, their tales, their, their legend, their origin stories. Like that's the things that are exciting to me. And I think you get a lot more of that from the Warren Miller movies than you do from the other ones. Well, even the Warren Miller movies, when they show like some of these top athletes, I th- I think they always did a better job, like interviewing that humanizing person them and human, and then they would show them doing stuff. Like, mm-hmm. but they would tell like even the backstory about like how they started or they're from the local area. Like it was it was always kind of cool to connect people, and it wasn't just about seeing them go crazy ripping it up. Uh, they did it after, but they would kind of introduce them, and it was kind of it was different. And they always have like those human moments too, where they would crash. Or they would talk to someone in town, like talk to a lifty, and right. again, the humanizing them versus yeah. the guys who are just so amazing, so good that they just they want to just bask in that ability. Versus, again, and that's humanizing. great too, but it's different. It's a difference between you don't watching... connect. You don't connect the same. Yeah, it's it's like watching an event like um, American Ninja Warriors versus somebody working out in a gym. Great workout, great physical specimen. That was amazing. But I want to see you do some, you know, I want to see more about like what's going on or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All I know is I'm going on Thursday next week. Nice. It's early for where we are. Usually they used to do it 
the week before Thanksgiving. And that was always my favorite time. You're almost Halloween in it. They're like pairing it up with Halloween. Pre Halloween. Dude, I will tell you, once that, so that's next Thursday. We're going to Warren. Oh, Halloween. Halloween. Warren. Warren. Yeah, so it's those that. And then the week after is Halloween and then Snowbound. So everything is just slamming into high gear starting next week, which it's going to be a a blur. I'm so excited. Like I'm, I'm so fired up for this season. I bought my stupid icon pass. You got to drink every time I talk about me spending, buying those icon passes. That's the new, that's the new rule for this season. That icon was crazy. (laughs) Oh my God. Mm. I'm just so fired up for the season. I'm so fired up for getting my family in the snow. I'm excited for the Warren Miller movie. I'm excited for Snowbound. There's just so much cool stuff happening that yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be great. So we get to hang out. We get to go to Boston. It's a great town. We get to hang out with friends. We get to see our ski buddies again and talk some, Make some new ski buddies. That's right. Yeah. Like it. So if you're going to be wow. at Snowbound, why don't you hit us up? Hey, in the Boston area, there's going to be a lot of people up there. There will be. Old friends, new friends, holiday in. Snow should be (laughs) falling soon in the area. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. So if you guys, uh, there's a bunch of other movies too. I love the the one website where they have the trailer park with all the different movies. I haven't even been keeping a really good track of all the ski films. It gets to a point where it's just so overwhelming. But, you know, once once we get into the season, usually around like Thanksgiving, I start trying to check most of them out because then they start going start, through those. Yeah. Yeah. They start becoming available to you can download them or buy them and, and check them out. So we'll probably do more of a feature on films coming up as we get more into November, but we're excited again. If you're going to be going to snowbound, you try to hook something up or like suggestions, recommendations, hit us up, ski bump podcast, gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Follow us on the socials, X, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube untapped or at Ski Bump Podcast. You love us. We love you. Patreon.com slash Ski Bump Podcast. Be part of the team. Be a patron. Help us grow. Help us build this out. Help us become the juggernaut that we all that we think should be. want this should become. Yes. Uh, do you need some gear? You still have time to get in shape. You got a couple weeks. You can do it. 10,000.cc. Go there. Use the code BSchneider15, 15% off. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluting. See ya.